Hello, we are not available now. Please leave your name and phone number after the beep. We will return your call. <coughs> hey, uh, yeah, it's me. Um, just have some couple ideas that I wanted to get by uh, for this uh, week's episode. <coughs> I was thinking to have, uh, I wanted like creepy music in the beginning. Um, uh, I don't even know, man, like, just like, do, do, but like, uh, deeper, and like with a theremin, you know, I wasn't sure if you had a theremin or not, I, I thought, I thought I remembered you saying that you just got a new theremin, so, uh, maybe if you want to bust that bad boy out and kind of make some creepy music for the beginning and, and whatnot, be cool. And I was thinking it would be like a, like a, um, some music underneath, uh, what I'm saying, like underneath the, the, the podcast. Um, also like really creepy. Like I want it to sound like people walking on like, um, old stairs and opening and closing, uh, like really like old wooden cabinet doors, um, and I want cats in there, um, like, I just want, like, the sound of cats' feet, uh, running on, like, hardwood, I guess I'm, I guess I just want things to sound like, like, wooden things, and, uh, just, like, their, their articulation of the wooden things, um, but that's gonna be, I want that to be underneath everything that I'm, uh, saying in the podcast, um, and then, yeah, and then at the very end, like, do, uh, use your theremin, you know what I mean, like, like what I said with, like, how I want it, like, the do, 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 like, do that, but then, like, make it crescendo, or, or whatever it means when you, like, get real, like, huge, like, makes it, make it swell huge, and it's almost like you can't even take it anymore at the very end. Like, it's just so much. And then just make it crash uh, into the listener. And then just leave it. And then leave it silent. Or, no, better. Leave, like, put, like, white noise in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dude, just, like, put... Just put a bunch of white noise throughout the episode. That would be awesome. Alright, dude. Well, I'll call you later. Happy birthday. Cooper Malin here. I thought that I would do something different with today's podcast. Usually, it's one of us here at Waste Division sitting down with someone to talk about books, art, and everything in between. We have some beers, share some laughs, and generally have a good time. But today, I wanted to do something different. Today, I would like to talk to you. I'd like to talk about you, because you are the story that I would like to tell. You don't know why I'm telling a story about you. There is nothing about you that is worth telling, you think to yourself. And you are not wrong. You would, in fact, be wrong if you thought otherwise. Despite popular opinion, there is nothing about any of us worth telling. 
Our attempts to the contrary are nothing more than desperate shouts into an unfeeling abyss. Pathetic attempts at mortality, or at the very least, attempts at lasting and tangible marks that can be measured and remarked upon. A signpost that reads, you were here. There is nothing remarkable about any of us. Our significance ends at our shared experiences. Beyond that is just conjecture. But not you. At least, not for the purposes of this story. For something is about to happen to you. And though there is absolutely no chance that it will leave a mark upon the universe, it will most certainly leave a mark on you. You don't know it, but right this moment, someone is watching you. You can feel it. It's like a pressure on the back of your neck, slight but persistent. It is easy to ignore. You are busy working on whatever it is you are working on. Like everything in your life, it is imperative that you finish. To not finish is to not have worked at all. And so, because of this urgency, your mind is busy. But the pressure persists, and it is harder for your mind to stay focused. You readjust in your seat, sitting up straighter, your shoulders back. You had been slouching, and it's never good to slouch. You can't shake the feeling, however, and as it grows more fervent in your mind, blood rushes to your cheeks and you are slightly warm and flushed. Now there is no ignoring the slight but persistent pressure that is right now being applied to your neck. You must do something, and so you bring your hand to the back of your neck, to the spot where you feel the pressure most acutely thinking to brush aside the tag of your sweater or an errant curl of hair. But you're not wearing a sweater, and your hair isn't curly. Your hair is exactly how your hair is. Alright, so there's nothing there. But that blatant lie is not enough to ease your fears, because now there is no denying that you feel something. Something boring into your neck, the back of your head, all of your being. You feel exposed. And now you know. Someone is watching you. The skin on your scalp tightens and your breath becomes short like it is caught in your throat. This response feels at once natural and unnatural almost as if you're overreacting, and you begin to laugh at yourself. You tell yourself that you're being silly, but you know that you are not. This someone, whoever they are, isn't just watching. They are staring, studying, measuring. This pressure is malignant, dangerous. Maybe you are overreacting, but it's better to not take that risk because suddenly it feels very much like you're in a risky situation, like you must now make a choice. And to have been forced into this situation is unfair. And so now you are angry. You weren't doing anything to anyone. You were just working on whatever it is that you are working on. And for a moment, you had forgotten about your existence in this world. An existence in a world that is brutish and unfeeling. For a moment, you had escaped into your work and you felt good. And good is hard to come by. But now, 
you are hyper aware of the fact that you are not alone and that you must now react to someone or something beyond your control. And with this newfound fury, you whip around and look for the asshole boring a hole in the back of your neck. And you see them. Instantly. They are unlike anyone you've ever seen before. You meet their gaze and recoil in terror. It is hard to make sense of what you are seeing. They are old. But old isn't enough. They are ancient. Their dulled yellow eyes tell you that much. Their skin is gray and mottled, but pulled tight to their skulls so that it looks as thin as paper. Their teeth protrude from thin lips. They are like jumbled tombstones, cracked and blackened. Its jaw pops, and its lips pull back in what you can only imagine is a smile. Its eyes flash brilliant, and all at once it seems like an animatronic come to life. Its jaw opens and closes, its head moves slowly back and forth atop its spindly neck, its fingers, which until now you hadn't noticed, twitch and stretch like so many spider legs. Its nails are cracked shells, bloody and broken down to stubs, as if it had just crawled out of whatever hell it most certainly came from. You would scream, but you have no air in your lungs. You would run, but you are frozen in place. It is all you can do to not break down gibbering as the thing starts to rise, its eyes holding yours in place. You can feel your mind begin to slip away, and you start to welcome the sweet relief of madness as the thing walks stiffly toward you. Gray and moldy rags hang from its frame. It looks as if it has too many joints. It is composed of angles and bends, and all about it is an air of sharpness, like an insect, a fleshy insect. The thing shuffles nearer to you, and now you really are gibbering. Your jaw works convulsively, and air is pressed out of your lungs with each heartbeat and bestial yips. You have to do something. You have to do something. Come on, you must do something. Its hands reach out for you and something in your mind clears and you are on your feet, reeling backwards, away from the rotting, inhuman thing that is still looking at you, still grinning, still reaching, and you step backwards into the wall. You look to the door. The way out is clear. You must get out. You must. And so you bolt. You are out the door and into the street, and you do not stop. You are running, feet slapping the pavement, your arms pumping wildly. You are not in shape, nor are you out of shape, but you feel as if you could run forever, because you feel as if you are running for your life. But as your feet carry you farther and farther away from where it was you were working at, you begin to regain composure, a phrase you've only ever read in novels. Your side is beginning to burn, and it's getting harder and harder to fill your lungs. Maybe you are out of shape. You slow down to a walk, trying to catch your breath. Your head is spinning, but your mind is surprisingly clear. You laugh a bit to yourself. That was wild, you think. What, in fact, was that that just happened, you also think to yourself. Suddenly, it all seems very silly. 
the terror that had been there, pressing upon your mind so that you thought it would break, was suddenly gone, evaporated, and now you're not even sure that what just happened, happened. Jesus, you're losing it, you tell yourself. You beat back the tiny flames of doubt and terror that still crowd your mind and take deep breaths, mindfully regaining your composure. That was silly. And what's sillier still is now you have to go back to where you were just working to retrieve what it was that you were working on. You turn down an alley and stop dead. There in front of you, mere inches away, is the thing. Its eyes look into yours from underneath a heavy brow. It must stoop to meet your gaze. It is much larger than you had previously thought. The terror comes back tenfold, and your mind is reduced to a red and soundless void. You are shivering, and from your throat escapes a low moan that you are helpless to prevent. The thing presses in on you, and you shrink away, but in so doing your back comes up against the brick wall of the building behind you, your back scrapes against the bricks, and you are on your tiptoes, doing whatever you can to maintain the space between you and the creature as it leans in closer to your face. You blink back tears. Its chest convulses and its nostrils flutter, but no breath hits your face. Its jaw cracks open wide and then wider still so that you're staring down its throat, the soft tissue of which is colored a muddied red. Its teeth spiral in broken rows down to where they disappear into the monster's throat. There's a dull rumbling coming from where the teeth go. All of a sudden, its front teeth meet your forehead and your chin. Like articulate appendages, they seem to work your face deeper and deeper into its mouth. More and more teeth press into your face and work you down deeper into what seems like an impossible depth. Your eyes are forced closed, your nose is forced closed, your jaw is twisted and pinched so that you are sputtering to catch your breath within the dank void, but soon enough, that too is shut and then all goes black. With a pop like the bulb of a Deguero type, you are suddenly in a room. It is bright. Noontime light shines in from a large bay window. You feel nothing. You are nothing. Save your vision. You are without your other senses. You merely exist in this room right now. The room, though, is lovely. Not how you would have decorated it, but also nothing about how the room is decorated offends you. The more you look around, the happier you are. It feels comfortable. It feels like how you'd want a room like this to feel. Suddenly, you are not alone. Someone moves into your field of vision. They must have come from somewhere behind you. They are old. But like the room, they feel familiar. Their movements and the way they carry themselves remind you of someone you know. And then they turn around. They are you. They are much older than you are now, but they are you. You are old. You never thought of yourself as being old, though you knew it must happen at some point. Aging happens so gradually that to see it like this makes you feel queasy. This is not like looking back at old photos of yourself. 
No, this is wrong. This is impossible. But you cannot turn away. Older you is holding an empty box and is crying. Their eyes are red, and there seems to be nothing but sorrow in them. A sorrow that you cannot comprehend. You've been sad, certainly, but your eyes have never looked like that before. You shiver at the thought that they will. Older you is looking around the room, shoulders slumped. Older you takes a shuddering breath, turns around, and walks to the bookcase that's in the room. Older you takes a book from the bookcase, turning it over in their hands, looking at the cover, flipping through its pages. Older you does this with each book before placing it neatly in the box. They do not kneel at the open box on the floor, but stand at the bookcase, bending down with each book and rising again and again so that it looks like a sort of semi-religious penance ceremony. There are many books, and older you looks at every one of them. Eventually, the box is full, and older you straightens. They are stiff and grimace in pain. Older you is sweating profusely. They look as if they have aged a whole lifetime in the process of packing the books away. Older you's face is white, and their mouth hangs open, slack, moving slightly as if trying to say something. They bend down to pick up the box, but stumble, so that they must catch themselves with both hands on top of the box. They waver, their knees shaking, then they collapse completely, falling on top of the box before rolling off and onto their back. Older you is clutching their heart. Their mouth is gasping for air, and you can only see the whites of their eyes. Eventually, older you becomes still and stiff. The light in the room slowly fades as the sun travels across the sky. And then just like that, you are back in the alley. You are sitting against the brick wall, breathing heavily. It feels as if you have been holding your breath for hours, and though your throat burns, you cannot get enough oxygen, and so you take shuddering breath after breath. You stare around wildly. You are alone. The sounds of the world continuing on as before come from the street just beyond the opening of the alleyway. There is a pain in the palms of your hands. You look down and see that you've clenched your hands so that your nails are digging into the flesh, and so you relax your grip, flexing your stiff fingers. You look around and make sure that you are in fact alone. You breathe and try to make sense of what has just happened. We will return your call. Hey, me again. Uh, yeah, man, I've just been thinking, and when are we going to start making some money on this shit? Like, I thought podcasting was supposed to make you rich. I haven't seen a goddamn dime. I'm over here trying to get some diapers, trying to feed myself and my family, and... I just starting that we gotta get some sponsors or something, dude. Um. Anyways, that's off this one. Um. I'll uh I'll call you later. Tell your mom I say hi. Tell your mom I say hi. Tell your mom I say hi.